0: Photography is often considered a solitary endeavor. However, the career arc of any photographer relies as much on community as it does on talent and hard work. Community is a big part of achieving success. Yes, it provides important networking opportunities, but it's also a wellspring of encouragement and support. And that's the thought behind Black Women Photographers, which was founded by photographer Polly Orungu. With it, she's created a global community, an online database of black women and non-binary photographers, which is becoming a valuable resource in the photographic world. This young photographer, who was originally born in Kenya, is currently a digital content editor at New York Public Radio, WNYC, where she is responsible managing social media for WNYC's and PRX's The Takeaway. She's an incredibly busy woman, but nevertheless, she has found the time to be a valuable resource to many. This is X, and welcome back to The Candid Frame. Thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it.
1: I'm excited. Thank you for having me.
0: Now, when I found out about everything you're doing, I was very impressed. I thought I was busy. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, so many things, and I, I look at everything that you've done in your oh, young life. So, I'm, I'm a lazy ass boy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Oh, man, far too kind. Uh, I don't even know what it takes to do a podcast. So thank you. Um, I do appreciate it. You know, just trying, (laughs) trying to do my part in any way I can. So Thank
0: you. (laughs) Well, first off, I want to start off with just talking about your beginnings. You immigrated with your family from Nigeria. Is that right? Uh, From Kenya. Kenya. Oh, my apologies. <laughs> it's okay. I've in got my, in my head, but Kenya. No,
1: the Nigerians are everywhere, that is for sure. <laughs> yeah, they are everywhere. Uh, no, but uh, from Kenya, yes.
0: All right, all right. But, uh, yeah, you were just four years old and you moved to... Kansas?
1: Yes, sir. Uh, Why Kansas? You know, (laughs) I still don't know. Um, I know my dad had a family, uh, a host family uh, set up, you know, before he came to the States. You You know, that helped him, like, get situated and everything like that. But yeah, you know, grew up in Kansas, you know, which... Granted, I'm like, of all the 50 states, but, you know, for me, at least I was able to grow up in a pretty diverse community. Um, I grew up in a very traditional Kenyan upbringing to this day. The only dishes I know how to cook are related to Kenyan. Uh, like, to <laughs> Kenyan to dishes. Um, so, you know, there's that. You know, for me, it's like, OK, I spent time in Kansas, but then there was like my mom's oldest at 12. So we have, you know, relatives in like Missouri, uh, Chicago, um, you know, spread out across the Midwest and also in the West Coast and then in Canada. So I was able to, you know, have all of that in my upbringing when I was in Kansas, which was nice.
0: I grew up in uh, Los Angeles and mm-hmm. my parents are from the Dominican Republic. So there were Dominicans here, but they were all over the place. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. living in Miami or New York where you have a real concentration of that. So I was really aware of my otherness because I would be around, people would look at me and assume that I was just I was African American. And the Latinos didn't expect me to speak Spanish and they would look at me oddly. Mm. Like, and it always just felt like, where do I fit in? Was that a similar experience for you?
1: You know, honestly, it's funny you say that because, like, for me, yeah, because, you know, as, as, you know, later as I got older when I was still in Kansas and, and I hung out with, like, other Africans, I never felt, like, African enough at some points because, you know, I, I came when I was like four. And when I came, I actually had to have a speech tutor. I mean, I didn't learn English until maybe I think six. It was really hard because I had I like combined English and Swahili and Kikuyu, our tribal language, into one language that only my mom and my sister could understand (laughs) For, for, for so long. When I was when I was young, I was like a baby, like only literally only them understood me. And I had like speech Tutor and all of that. And so, you know, eventually when I am older, like when I'm in my middle school and, and, you know, then my first year of high school, really like in my middle school years, when I was hanging out with other Africans, it's like they all knew like Swahili and I did it. So I felt out of place. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, when I did have like my outside of Africans, it's like my other just black friends and other friends in general that are Americans, them, it was like there's a lot of cultural like things. That I didn't understand until much later. A lot of just, you know, from TV shows and music to the food, like a lot of things I wasn't exposed to unless I sought that out on my own or was introduced by, you know, friends who introduced me to that because my parents did know. It was weird at times. But more so, I guess, when I went to Oregon, (laughs) is where I realized I'm a little different. You know, <laughs> you know, like, because I, I joined, like, when I was, I could tell this later, but, like, fast forwarding to, like, when I actually uh, did my undergrad at the University of Oregon, a PWI, and, you know, I was part of BSU and, you know, ASA, the African Student Association Club, but, like, a lot of times when I was at BSU, it was, like, I didn't know about the movie Friday. I didn't know about all these different staples that I, I should have known, you know, just different cultural things like that. I also later, uh, you know, caught up on, between then, I was just like, I thought I was, I thought I was doing good until I realized <laughs> there was a whole, oh. there's whole parts of you know American culture, Black culture, uh, you know, like you know that I was missing out on because of my upbringing. So oh,
0: yeah, when someone says bye Felicia, you go, Do we, you know Felicia.
1: What's Felicia, That's exactly. I was like, oh, that was hilarious. But I didn't really understand why I was a thing until now." <laughs> <and> <laughs>
0: Do you find that now, considering what you do, that that otherness is sort of an advantage?
1: I think so. Actually, I think so. Because, you know, for me, I find that I can adapt to any community. You know, I've lived in. Kansas, I lived in Oregon, I lived in Arkansas, and I lived in uh, Virginia, the DMV area, <laughs> and being exposed to all, all of those places right there are different communities. And now Brooklyn, which is huge, right? And so for me, I feel like I could really be able to like talk to anyone and everyone and with the community that I'm building, Black people are not a monolith, right? So all of them are so different in their own way. A lot of them have different upbringings and perspectives and, you know, the next person, right? right next to them don't have. So for me, you know, I'm learning from them. I think they're learning from each other. You know, it's still early, but I see that. I see how we're all so different, but we're all, you know, tied to like similar experience.
0: What did you find your your college experience like being that you were a Black woman in terms of having your your perspective and the way you saw things sort of validated or, you know, with respect to the stories that you wanted to tell and how you wanted to, to tell them, what was it like for you?
1: I think with this community, it's like, I don't have to like preach to them that, you know, all the ways that black women are not heard black women, you know, all the barriers that we face or anything like that. Cause they all get it. <laughs> they all understand that. And, you know, for myself, it's like, I, I think now more so that, you know, I still find myself, you know, struggling to get that point across to everybody. I've, sure, I think people get it, but I don't think people really understand the extent of it. And so for me, it's like, at least with these folks, you know, I have that solidarity. I, we have that camaraderie. I mean, it's it's unfortunate that, that, you know, different things like that is what Brings us together because we all understand at one point or another. You know, we all felt at one point like, for you know, not feeling valued, not feeling seen. One person the other day, you know, tweeted that you know she felt like she's been screaming about black women photographers for years and no one has heard her. But then she feels like I'm able to give like her a megaphone to be able to get that message heard. And to me, that's like huge. I'm like, whoa! I didn't realize it like that. The more I think about it, it's like it's just. <sighs> it's it really like what I'm doing is so simple because it's like I'm not the only one doing it but at the same time it's also special because all of us who have been like brought together so quickly like and we're all recognizing the fact that we're not alone in our struggles we're not alone we don't you know we're not the only ones feeling this way and I think you know for that reason like I've been able to, you know, continue this because a lot of this work—I mean, as you know—is exhausting. <laughs> It's—it takes a toll mentally because um, it's, it's not my first time yelling to the void about black folks and black women, and I've been—I've also been, you know, yelling about this for a while, but now, for whatever reason, I feel like people are actually listening.
0: Well, it's you know the the, the circumstances right now with you know what's been happening. Uh, in this country, with race, with um, not just just not, not in, you know in the issues with the law enforcement, mm-hmm. but just in the inherent biases and, and discrimination mm-hmm. and the way it pervades so much life here, regardless of whether you're black or not in this country. Right. right. I think it helped to bring it to the fore. But as you said, it's been ha- it, there are issues that have been happening for, for for a long time. But I wonder why do you think that it was up to you? To do something about it, other than you know, be one of the voice, one of the voices yelling into the void, to actually take the initiative and make something and make something happen with Black women photography.
1: That's a good question. I mean, for me, it's like you can only yell for so long, right? You can only yell. You can only really just do that for so long until you feel like what's the point anymore, or Mm -hmm. you can think of a way to. Do it in a more productive manner, rather than just you know. I mean, granted, it's not not to say that doing that doesn't work. We've seen we've seen a lot of ways of how people you know taking it to Twitter and brands and everybody else like quickly changing whatever or issuing statements because of public pressure on Twitter. So not saying that that doesn't work, but for me, like in order to really actually bring the kind of things that. I have been like longing for like for like the programming and things that I'm doing with the black women photographers a lot of it's just things I wish I had I wish I you know I wish I had more of a community you know when I was you know when I first picked up my camera I wish I had other black women I could turn to other black women I could like follow and talk to about whatever the case may be and so a lot of that is just surrounded you know centered around like my experience but also you know as I've been doing this, I've been able to talk to more and more of them and hear what they need and what they want. And, you know, for me, it's like, how can we take it a step further? Like, for me, it was like, okay, how can I, you know, seize on this moment where people are actually looking for ways to help Black people, looking, you know, for tangible, like concrete, you know, more than just retweeting or liking a post. Like, you know, people are like, how can I help? And I was like, you know, here's one way. Um, And so like the first thing I did was the the COVID-19 relief fund, um, because I do have a full-time job. So for me, it's like, you know, I can take a step back and not take photos and I'll be okay because of my job. I recognize that. And so that was like my first step of like organizing and really trying to take it a step further because, you know, you know, for so long I've relied on other people to, you know, advocate, and, you know, assume, you know, what I want, but I've realized, you know, while all these organizations are doing great work, I can't assume that they know, you know, what I'm looking for, like I, unless I make it known to them. Um, And a lot of people, you know, a lot of, a lot of us, it's just like, it can can be really intimidating, you know, how do you like reach out to an organization, say, I'm a part of an organization, but I'm feeling like this, and is there anything you can do to help me, you know, not feel like this? I don't know, it's like, I don't know where I would have started. And I don't know, like how I would have started that conversation kind of thing. And so for me, it's like, a lot of people just feel like they can just DM me questions at any time. And I'm like, great, because, you know, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to be like that resource and, and really just trying to take it a step further than, you know, just a simple retweet or them or people simply like following us, like, I want it to be more than that. And so for me, I guess, that is just slowly like what I'm trying to do is really just try to capitalize on this moment for them and for myself, really.
0: So how are you hoping that, that it's utilized? Because it can be used as like a, a one, like a one-stop resource for people who are interested in, in finding photographers of women, of women of color who are, who are photographers. But mm-hmm. as you mentioned as well, that you wanted to have a community where people could these people could dialogue Tell me more in terms of what you're really hoping for, for it to be in, to, to, to grow into.
1: Oh man. I'm just like, I'm really like so excited about it. Cause to me, it's like, it's grown so quickly. Like, and it's literally been up for me a little bit over a month, you know, online, the presence is growing. Um, but really, so I've like, when I'm like scrolling through Twitter and I'm seeing like you know, these photographers interacting with each other, I'm like, oh my goodness, like, you know, I can't, I mean, maybe they knew each other beforehand, but some of them have told me that they are also using this as a way to network with amongst each other, you know, talk to and, you know, start those relationships with each other. So it's really cool for me, like when I see, you know, one of them, you know, tag black woman photo, black woman photographers to retweet something. And I, you know, I retweet it. It's, I instantly like the first people to retweet are the fellow photographers. Like they're supporting each other's work instantly. And so for me, it's like more things like that. I also want to, you know, have like other programming events where I'm able to bring them all together um, on a more personal note. Just this past Friday, I was able to organize um, a portfolio review session because a lot of them indicated, you know, when they were, you know, filling out the form I sent out, to be included in the database that they would want their portfolio reviewed. So I just had the first session and was with Nikon ambassadors. And a lot of them, you know, were able to see each other for the first time. And it was like two people were in Lagos, One of the ambassadors was in Tokyo. Another one was in Australia. Like it was just so cool. It's like it's international community. And we all came together, you know, regardless of time zones to support each other, to really just being able to like share your work, you know for that alone (laughs) people don't talk about how that alone takes a lot of courage because you never know how people you know may you know interpret it and react to it and they all came together on zoom for the first time to get their work you know shared and talk to like someone in the industry for like who's been doing this for decades and you're you're able to like have that one-on-one time with them so things like that is like where i want to continue you know to take it because i mean a few of them had told me that was the first time they ever had their work criticized ever you know and that's imagine like a writer saying they never had their work edited you know and so for these photographers it's like this is the first time they actually had that kind of editing and it's huge you know to have that for you know your growth um your long-term you know mentoring like trajectory to even see like you know how you can take your work a step further. But things like that is what I want to continue to bring. And hopefully down the line, it's like also like more partnerships with brands and uh, whoever, you know, I feel like is in line with like, the mission I guess I was able to just do one with visco I shared that with 10 photographers you know they visco's having a black joy matters campaign and I pitched to them you know black women photographers and they immediately hopped onto it and so for things like that is what I want to you know continue to bring to these women
0: so how how are people getting on on board here are they uh, are you reaching out are people finding you via social networking How's, oh, yeah. how does it all work
1: It's a little bit of that. It's like, you know, Twitter is my favorite platform. So I'm biased. I'm spending a lot more time on Twitter, spreading the word. And so organically, it's getting shared there on Instagram and a little bit on Facebook. Recently, actually, we got a shout out on MSNBC's AM Joy show in the morning. One of the guests uh, gave a shout out to like what I was doing. And so that really helped, you know, get the word out there because I was like a national platform, right? That was the first time really like having that major exposure because, I've, you know, I- I've been able to have like a few written interviews, but those are to, you know, those certain communities of that whatever publication. And so for me, it's all been organic you know, I don't have a budget for this, I'm just hoping that people, you know, see that, you know, how authentic I am about this and how authentic and, you know, how, you know, these women are about it as well. And, you know, just flock to that, I guess.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think one of the best things about it is that it's a, it's a safe place in which these women to come together, Right. you know, photography is, is, always been competitive but back in my day i felt that that camp competition was often very cutthroat just because there were so there was so few opportunities uh as few as there are now there were even fewer back then right and so i remember i remember the, the people that i hung around with which were mostly men with a peppering of of, of women they were always very holding stuff very close to their vests right mm-hmm. if they needed their friends who were they hanging out with they were the competition Mm-hmm. And, but as a more casual observer and, and someone who's not in the heat of it as much anymore, it seems like there's a there's a general air of, of generosity yes. that's happening about young photographers that if the attitude is not so much that, you know, I got to hold on to the little that I got.
1: Right. Right. No, exactly that. I mean, I think, I think people are starting to realize there's enough room for everybody, right? Everyone can eat too. (laughs) Um, At least I hope people are starting to realize that. I mean, at least this community, you know, that I'm building realizes that I actually tweeted like a couple weeks ago, like why is photography such a cool kids club? And then I was quick, quickly corrected that it's cool. Like men's club, um, <laughs> uh, because, of, uh, you know, like you, the reasons like you stated. Um, and for me, it's like, I'm not going to hold on. I mean, I don't know much. I'm very young in my career, but what I do know, I'm not going to hold onto that. Why would I hoard that information when I know I got it from somebody else myself, And a lot of the times, like things like that is what holds us back, right? When we're not able to come together when we're not able to, you know, uplift each other. It sounds very cliche or corny or whatever the case may be, but it's really that simple, right? Like we could be further if we all came together to share that information, share that knowledge to see, okay, I know this, you don't know this. So let's come to, you know, let's come to the table. Like I can be able to, be the expert on this and you can be an expert on that. And we can just see where, you know, what we can build together. Um, I know that, you know, I've had like unofficial mentors in my life and with their guidance, it's helped me <laughs> tremendously. And I think that's what it really is about is just having that kind of mentoring, you know, for that way, you don't have to like, take the long road there. You can hopefully be able to, you know, skip some steps. You can learn from other mistakes or whatever the case may be, you know, to get to wherever, whatever spot you're trying to get to. But yeah, I think, I think there's already enough barriers that hurt us and there's already enough gatekeepers in this industry that we shouldn't gatekeep each other kind of thing.
0: You know, the racial uprisings in in the the 60s and in the the 70s and the ones in uh, LA uh, Mm -hmm. in the in the it late '80s, early '90s, I'm starting to forget now. <laughs> it's becoming a blur. But those those events yeah. led to a lot of opportunities for black writers and photographers to have the door open because, especially in the '60s, white reporters and photographers didn't want to go in the heat of that, mm-hmm. and so they would hire these photographers who eventually, you know, found a way of being able to get their foot in the door. But the thing is, mm-hmm. such such moments of unrest, though they do create an opportunity in the moment the issue is always making it a lasting change there's an opportunity now so how do you see this from your perspective as different from similar situations in the past
1: i mean that is something i've been pondering for it keeps me up really late and i honestly because for me it's like like for example the i mean the covid19 relief alone like I saw those donations pouring quickly the first week. The slowly after that, it slowly died down though, you know, five donations turned into one donation kind of thing on a weekly, you know? So it's like, I, I saw that in real time with that, the, the, the COVID-19 fund. But I think for me, it's like, it all depends on what, you know, what I do like personally to keep that momentum going. Like if I make it clear that you know we're not going anywhere, and that's how I've been communicating, kind of thing. Like we are here, um, and we have no plans of going anywhere. Um, and I think people are, are realizing that. <sighs> I think some people have, you know, had those like internal conversations for themselves that maybe they felt like they were complicit in the past. That you know, maybe they do support for a certain time frame, and then when the headlines or whatever you know fades away, so does their support. And now I feel like more people have, at least privately, told me that you know they are here for the like the long game. They are here, you know, their their invitations to help don't expire, kind of thing. And so that has been encouraging. I also feel like. You know, these folks in the community, they they also feel like charged up in a way that, you know, maybe they're feeding off each other's energy or whatever the case may be. But I think a lot of them also realize that now they have this voice and now they have a platform of this platform willing to listen and amplify their voice so they're, they are going to continue the work themselves, you know, regardless, we, you know, have been doing the work, and we're going to continue doing the work. It's just hopefully that everyone (laughs) sticks around and, you know, supports us in this journey. Because for me, it's I know, it's, I know, you know, like when they say, it's like, not a marathon, you know, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon kind of thing. Like, that's how I feel, you know, I know, it's gonna be a challenge. I know that we also have to pandemics we're going through we have a national you know presidential election like people are gonna be busy and people are gonna have their heads elsewhere and I get that but I think you know all of that can be true at the same time and I think as long as we continue to do the work and control what we can then I think we'll be okay you know I'll keep sharing privately like spreading like I've I've shared this the link to the site <laughs> to hundreds of people like I'll keep doing things like that I'll keep checking in like For me, it's, like, I want to be able to, like, pop into somebody's inbox, like, oh, by the way, you know, you said you don't have the hiring capabilities right now because of COVID. Okay, so it's, like, two months later. Is your situation still like that? Like, those are, like, the different things, like, I plan on doing, you know, to remind people that we're here. And, you know, you said you couldn't hire then. Two months later, like, okay, it's a new quarter, fiscal quarter. Like, a lot of these brands and organizations will have money, you know. A budget, you know, starting like October, November, I'm going to be in their inboxes like, hey, y'all, I know you guys just had your budget planning meeting, (laughs) you know, things like that is how I hope to, you know, keep the fire going, I guess.
0: And I think that's something that that any freelancer, regardless of their their race, their color, right, has to have an understanding of. Because just waiting for some to give you an opportunity sometimes is just not enough. I mean, you may have, given your, you may have met him once and gotten not. your business card, but um, there's a lot of hustle involved.
1: Oh, and That's sometimes
0: just you gotta, Sometimes you got to make yourself a little annoying just so you can be remembered. Not yes. to the point that you people you know want to you know drown you in a pool, but you know because when an opportunity comes up, there are certain names that come automatically come up and you just want to be one of those names that comes
1: exactly up. i mean no exactly that eventually i you know I'd, eventually i want to be able to have more people you know privately speaking you know for us advocating for us in rooms that you know we may not know about that's you know that would be the goal but for until that, it's like you said i'm gonna do my part to try and create these opportunities you know like because we can't wait we can't you know wait for someone to do it for us and so yeah i think it's all of what you said
0: so are the people that you're dialoguing with, is it both for editorial and commercial purposes?
1: Yes. Uh, it's a lot of editors, a lot of like creative directors. I'm also talking to people like fine art and whatever spaces really just anyone who would appreciate or have the need to hire a photographer is who I'm dialoguing with. Mm-hmm. Um, also just a lot of different brands who may only think about these kind of initiatives during like Black History Month, Women's History Month, like things like that. (laughs) The people uh, who've also, a lot of brands who've recently put out a Black Lives Matter statement are people who I've reached out to, to see, you know, how much do Black Lives Matter and, you know, like cut a thing to them, um, seeing where they are in terms of their internal, like, you know, we we dedicate whatever. I'm also reaching out to those people, you know, to see if, you know, if it's not too late for us to be a part of those conversations that they have in, you know, internally to support the black community.
0: Thanks for the many kind words about recent episodes of the show. I was especially pleased to hear the positive response to my conversation with Dwayne Michaels. He had been on my shortlist for a very long time and I was so happy to finally make it happen. And it never would have happened without your support after so many years. If you enjoyed that episode or any others that we've produced recently, you can support our work going forward by becoming a Patreon supporter. You can contribute $5, $10, $20 or more a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash The Along with many other listeners, you are making a huge difference and help us to deliver the best show possible to you every week. So if you enjoy the work we're doing, Please come on as a Patreon supporter today. Thank you. You know, I was reading an article yesterday, and I, I wish I could remember uh, specifically who it was, but it was it was about a black woman who was working for a company, and she uh, had left the company. Oh, it was a public a PRX. Mm, uh, yeah, I don't good. know if you had a chance to read the, the article, but. Uh, uh, A woman of color uh, who had worked there had left and she had left this, uh, wrote this letter, uh, which was released publicly. Um, She left for a variety of reasons, but one of her concerns Mm -hmm. was that she was being paid uh, appreciably less than than other people in her business, even though her work was, if comparable, if not more so than her peers. Mm -hmm. And she had to go through hoops in order to be able to even get a raise at some point in order because she had to prove her worth. And I think right. of that, is that experienced a lot by women, but especially women of color. And I think in the world of photography, it's no less an issue in terms of the dialogue that you're hearing. I think I'm really curious to hear about dialogue about financials, about really working for what you're worth, getting paid what you're worth and not simply being seen as a less expensive option just because people think they can get away with it so tell me about these kinds of discussions that that the you know that your circle of of photographers are are discussing because i think it's an important one especially now
1: Oh, it's huge. It really is vital. And I don't think we can talk about it enough. Um, you know, as part of a large group, two questions of two of those, some of those questions came up, you know, in my last and like in the portfolio review session, I was mentioning, like, I think the first 15 minutes was Q&A. And like, we spent 10 minutes talking about like, financial literacy and like financial, like, you know, how do you know how to charge? Like, when do you like up uh, Your pricing and that things like that is what some of the questions that were posed to these ambassadors, but you know those are the kind of like larger you know themes that I'd want to do more programming around to see you know how I can help not just like not just bring this all to their attention because it's not it's not something that they don't think about constantly it's not something that they don't already know it's more so of like actionable things like to actually like say like. This is like something I can take away from it and, and can imply, you know, like apply to my life right now kind of thing is what I'm hoping to be able to do in the near future. Haven't started doing anything with that with regards to what you're saying. But I've been following like those conversations. I read that letter, uh, that, that woman's letter today, actually. Um, so, you know, for me, it's even myself, like those are things that I've struggled with. I can already, I can probably assume I've been underpaid in other situations. And I know as I first started out, I was like, oh, am I charging too much? Oh, or do I lower my rate for this person because I don't want to miss out on this gig? Or, you know, I've had those conversations. I've had those issues in my own work. And then I realized that I really just have to set a a standard for myself. And whatever my standard is, I can't lower it. And so that is just how I've been able to move in the maybe the last like three four years, but it wasn't easy, right? Because you always feel like you always feel like you're missing out, or you always feel like oh maybe I should have just done it because of the money. Like, but then it comes out of habit, and then you you you'll if you keep changing and bending to whoever you'll you'll never stop bending. And so I realized that I need to you know have my own like guidelines my own whatever my own set of rules that I followed realized what my worth was and that people will people will pay you know people pay the Kardashians for whatever they're selling so people will pay (laughs) (laughs) you know like the Kardashians can put out whatever and the people will pay whatever price people don't question their price for whatever things they're selling. So if people aren't questioning that price, if people don't question, you know, the price of their favorite other brands and whoever, they shouldn't question my rates and my price either, right? And as long as you communicate that to your friends, especially your family, you know, you have to communicate that to everyone around you first and let that be clear that this is my rate, this is my worth. There's no family discount. There's no, <laughs> there's no, you know, I always see a lot of friends always post, Like... If you can pay for, like, like I said, the Kardashians, cause I don't know, I think I probably read something the other day about Kim, but like, if you can pay for whatever, you can pay for my brand, you should be able to support your friends first. And I think there's some truth to that, right? <laughs> we don't, we don't tell Beyonce to lower her price for her concert tickets. We pay whatever her price for her concert tickets are and we attend the show. And so <laughs>
0: You're <it> <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: want the beehive to attack me. Okay. Like beyonce, <laughs> but I, my point is is that beyonce has her worth you know yeah. known to the world and we respect that and we as you know photographers as creatives we need to set our own personal works and make sure that is clear have you know those boundaries whatever in place that no one you know dares to question it as well that we have that same kind of respect
0: yeah that that has been a long issue for photographers since say since the day they invented the camera <laughs> like, and, and
1: yeah exactly because now there's the iphones the iphone 11s could do some <laughs> great work but it's not the same but a lot of people feel like oh i could just do it myself you know it, it, it really does hurt us in a way but here we are
0: <laughs> that's well, that's the importance of being able to sort of like you said establish your value that mm-hmm. you bring a unique skill set. And right. I think that's especially seriously important for photographers of color to recognize, because unfortunately, there are some people that saying, well, if you don't want it, then I got another brother and sister who will take the job, you know, <laughs> for it's the so And it's like you have to go. That may well be the case, but that doesn't mean that I have to compromise what my worth is in order to secure the job. Right, and that can be a hard, and that can be a hard choice when you're just trying to pay the bills. But it's mm-hmm. a very slippery, slippery slope, which is one of the reasons why I think it's so important that you're creating the kind of community that you are creating, so that everyone can sort of dialogue and go, "Hey, no, this is we're all in this together, and we can't be cutting each other off at the knees because we're right. just injured ourselves in the long run uh, right. in being that." you 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 accomplished a lot in in your in your young years and I was reading all the accolades and things that you had done and uh one of the things that struck me is that you gave credit to your mom because you saw her you know really struggle a bit you know when you were coming up as a kid and I really wanted to talk about that you know what did you see happening with your mother as you were growing up that sort of affected the way that you look at yourself and your career
1: now Oof, man! How much time do we have? <laughs> honestly, honestly, you know, it's because like you know when they they say like I think it's like women or black women have to work twice as hard kind of thing to be you know things like that is what I saw with my mom. I mean, not just twice, like four times as hard to even be on the same like playing field as her peers So, you know we're not black, we're not immigrants. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when my first my parents first came to the states. They had heavy accents, right? That a lot of people already uh, discriminated them, gets based off of that. You know, people now now it's more so of like your name on your application, and then they, when you when you show up to the interview, people are surprised. Like I've had that happen a few times myself. Like my name is Polly, and so maybe there's <laughs> maybe there's uh, you know a young white woman, but no, here I am, a black. woman. <laughs> you know, and, and, but like it's it's the same with them. It's like you know and. And along another conversation, it's like, you know, partially, you know, why I was named Polly kind of thing. Uh, you know, we're giving these names to try to make it easier. I have an African name outside of my, you know, my American name. So, but, you know, seeing her, you know, I mean, they came here with nothing, as most of us did. Uh, there was not a level playing field with that. Um, and so, you know, working three, four jobs. um, commuting. I remember times when, you know, she was studying when we were in Kansas, at, you know, at the university and we were in the library with her, right? <laughs> just hanging out with her as she was, as she was studying and just getting, uh, you know, her higher ed degrees. And we were there alongside because, I mean, childcare and all this other stuff, it's expensive. For me, I think it's part of the reason why, you know, I do try to go so hard, I guess, why, I feel, you know, i I see how ambitious and how, you know, I've seen how my mom has had to advocate for herself. And so um, for me, I just try to do the same Um, because like we said, you know, no one's going to do that for us. And so for me, it really, I guess is this, the reason of why, you know, people always talk about your purpose and why, and you know, that is part of it uh, for me. Um, And so they, you know, she can do all of that, with, you know, literally nothing. Uh, I'm fortunate to actually grow up with stuff, with something. Uh, Mm -hmm. And now even more so, I grew up in the age of social media, when I feel like everything is like at my disposal. If I want to talk to someone in Lagos, I can, I can be able to like, do that instantaneously, right? That is what she didn't have. And so for me, it's like, I don't know i i I know there's barriers to whatever for myself still, but I mean nothing close to what she went through, nothing close to you know what you went through as well you know in your career I'm assuming, and so for me it's it, it really it really just feels so simple as to why I should, you know I, why I have my drive i guess
0: mm-hmm. you know you you mentioned how you use Twitter a lot and right now you work for a public radio and mm-hmm. uh you you uh, serve their, their, I guess their marketing in, in terms of multimedia not multimedia, but uh, in terms of social media.
1: Right,
0: right, right. So you you are you could t- probably teach me a class. I, <laughs> I'm ready to take
1: master classes in social media. Uh-huh. Yes, I can.
0: <laughs> I, so, so you know, everybody's on it, but I, I can't say that everybody knows how to use it,
1: mm-hmm. especially
0: people who are creative. So what? How can you school this old man in terms of what I'm doing wrong and what what I should be doing?
1: Oh, man, that's a good question. I think this applies to anyone, not just all the old man's listening. (laughs) 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 I think, you know, I think personally it's like, okay, as soon as you establish what you want, like, what are you looking for? Like, what audiences are you trying to reach? Who are you actually trying to communicate Your message to what is your message, first of all, but that's another conversation. But, you know, as soon as you establish who you're actually trying to reach, I think that's the first step because a lot of people, they just hop on oh now there's tiktok i need to have a tiktok i need to be on tiktok And like but for what reason like is there an audience there that you're trying to reach like does it doesn't make sense to your brand or are you just on there because it's the next current wave because they're always going to be another wave there's going to be something else after tiktok before tiktok there was Vine. so there's always going to be something right uh we saw quickly how snapchat rolls and then quickly fell right so you know you really have to be able to think about what you are looking for and what you want like what are you to get out of these different platforms uh for myself you know twitter is like like i said my favorite because i'm able to you know i get the news i'm able to actually like search hashtags and you know find communities that way um oftentimes i use twitter advanced search and i search like black photographer and see what populates black woman photographer see what populates um and that is just like one hack of like Like, I know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for other black photographers, black women photographers to, you know, communicate with, to interact with, to, you know, network with. I know I'm looking for photo editors. So I literally searched photo editor. And a lot of these people have that in their bio. And so I I was able to put photo, I was able to put a global list of 90 photo editors in like 10 minutes. Uh, I was able to reach like an international list just because I searched photo editors Uh, A lot of these folks have it in their bio, it all populated. And I made a Twitter list that announced a public resource to everybody, you know, who follows back photographers. They can just look at our list and they see photo editors is one of the lists that I've created and and, and literally in 10 minutes, uh, just because, you know I I know what I'm looking for. Um, I know the different tools that Twitter provides and I just use them, you know, to my advantage in that way um and then to what we were saying I don't hoard that information I shared it like it's literally like 90 photo editors from across the country and, and internationally and I also have a list for creative directors I have one for director of photography and so on because it's like I'm very clear you know the targeting audience uh for myself and for this community and so once I have once you have that established I think it's the rest falls to place because the rest is just like it's just your voice it's just your brand you're just like whatever you feel you know whatever your voice is once you have a clear voice people will flock to that you know the rest i guess falls into place
0: you know with the different things that you're 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 doing there's a lot of stuff that can lock you onto a desk so <laughs> oh, trust uh, me <laughs> so, so what's happening with your your photography
1: oh yes so managing,
0: I mean, You're in the back seat right now
1: yeah um my ph- my photography has, I mean, it has taken a backseat, I mean, more so in the terms of like, just these past f- few months, because, you know, like you said, with the current news events, uh, just like the, the, especially the related to, you know, police brutality, like a lot of that just like mentally was just draining that for me that I couldn't, I didn't have any ounce to like create. Um, so not just because like I have a full time job and not just because we're, we're in the middle of pandemic, like I just also was not feeling motivated to go out and create or to document, you know, the different uprisings. And so like I personally just didn't feel like doing that um, now and better, like, you know, mind state that I actually feel ready to go pick up and pick an assignment or whatever the case may be if I'm asked to um, i'm actually thinking about going down to uh, the, the the historic uh the anniversary march on the 28th i'm thinking about that i'm not mm-hmm. sure yet but because it's in a different city and state so for me i feel like it's taking a backseat because of personal reasons but now it's also taking a vaccine because i am so busy um you know i have my nine to five and then when i don't have my nine to five this is like my five to nine and Actually, past nine, that's being generous because I'm often oh. – <laughs> that's an understatement. It's not five to nine. It's, like, five to two a.m. <laughs> because, like I said, like, you know, all of these folks are not just U.S. based. It's international. So, like, I'm posting in different times. So, it's kind of thing with that kind of thinking in mind. Like, I don't want, you know, someone in London to think I'm only – I'm only going to have tweets you know, for the American folks. Like, no, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to like spread that wealth. And eventually I feel like as time goes on, I'll have a better system in place. Like I'll actually schedule my tweets in advance or whatever the case may be for like black women photographers. But right now it's literally just whenever I have my phone and I tweet, I, whatever, it's like how I'm going by it. Um, so I don't know, it's, it's, it's always hard. I think everyone... has has had that struggle of finding a balance, the life-work balance. I think everyone has had that regardless if they're building a community or not. Um, And so for myself, it's trying to find that balance. I've been able to, you know, take daily walks, minus today because of... (laughs) the VP news, I, I didn't take my walk today, but I've been able to take uh, daily walks. I think I've only missed twice outside of today for the past month and a half, which oh, is good huge. You. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, that was like huge for me. Like I'm actually committed something to myself. Like I I have set a time, an hour for myself every day, uh, you know, to try and find that balance. Uh, granted, I should probably schedule in more than an hour, but it's a start, <laughs> you know, oh, okay. got to start somewhere. So, you know, that's where I'm starting to find that balance. Um, and within my daily walks that, you know, I've, I've been taking like iPhone photos of like, you know, things I've seen, like the, you know, just the trees and the water, like, and, and actually been tweeting out like balance, you know, like tweeting those photos out. So that's like the only like photography I've done lately. But I think also, you know, since we've all been forced to slow down, I've also reevaluating like the type of work I want to do moving forward. Um, and so for me, it's like, I don't want to just go out and pick, you know, for the sake of it, especially trying to be more thoughtful and intentional because we're dealing with this pandemic. So, you know, for me, it's also, I'm okay with having that backseat right now as I continue to think about what I want to, you know, do uh, moving forward. Uh, I would really want to be, you know, be thoughtful and create meaningful work. And so what does that mean for me personally? And how can I achieve that uh, during a pandemic? It's like what I've been you know, thinking about. And so I think for all of those reasons, I'm okay with having my photography take a backseat um, because I, I know what I'm doing is much bigger than that. And so um, I'm okay, I'm, a, I'm at peace with it right now.
0: Well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer and it can be anyone. Someone you've long admired, someone you've recently <laughs> discovered. So who that one photographer be and why? Oh,
1: man. I just immediately, like, had, like, 20, like, okay. Um, in terms of, like, what we've been talking, to, uh, talking about, I'll, I'll recommend uh, Alexis Hunley. She's a Black queer female photographer based in Los Angeles, uh, California. Uh, she actually created a... a I want to say like 10 slides uh, that for Black photographers and really just any creatives to use as a resource because she's one of the photographers, Black photographers who've been bombarded with requests uh, to do free work. Some of their, you know, some of your favorite brands and organizations and outlets have, you know, approached her to document like different, you know, the, you know, the protests and, you know, and do other things for free. Uh, for the sake of exposure. And so she created a, a resource on, uh, on her Instagram and she has to ask her pinned tweet of like slides of how to like politely tell all of these, you know, brands, no, uh, I'm not going to respectively, I'm not going to do free work. And so that's what she did. I want to say like last month, because, you know, we were still really, I mean, we're still in the thick of it, but she was, you know, getting just so many requests and it's like, like we said earlier it's like a lot of these photographers a lot of people don't know when to draw that line of what they say yes and what they say no to and you know it's really exploited exploitative of these you know organizations to ask us to do anything for free in general but especially during this time and so she created that as a resource because you know you know, First, a photographer who may feel like, you know, they have to see us because they don't mm-hmm. know when the next opportunity will come around, that kind of thing. You know, it's unfair. <laughs> it's really unfair that what they're doing. Uh, and so she created that and I think it's amazing. Her work is so amazing. Um, yes. That's my one photographer.
0: And that sounds like a damn good one. <laughs> no. oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
1: <sighs> thank you. I'm, I'm truly grateful for your time.
0: Thanks to Polly for joining us. Find out more about her and her work by visiting polyurungu.com as well as BlackWomenPhotographers.com. If you're a devoted listener and subscribe to the show, write us a review on whatever service you listen to podcasts. Those reviews have allowed us to grow. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and our mailing list. On the YouTube channel, I offer critiques on images submitted by TCF listeners like you, while the mailing list keeps you updated with all TCF events, including workshops and more. Sign up today. And remember, you can support the show by contributing to our Patreon effort or make a one-time or recurring donation via PayPal. Thanks to Jeffrey Edwards, Jason Bone, Denise M. Riggs, Chandra Ackberger, Susan Sanders, and many more for their recent contributions. We also provide a series of eBooks on photography available for purchase on our website. It's my way of sharing my experience and knowledge and another way for you to support the show. And if you haven't found every episode of the show on wherever you listen to podcasts, download the Candid Frame app, which is available for both Apple iOS and Android. And because of your generosity, it's free to download and use. No additional purchases are required. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at TheOtherMartinTaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker. And our music is from Kevin MacLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at Incompetech.com. And this is X and this is The Candid Frame.